Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What is up? It's the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Brandon Marcus here. Hope you're having a fantastic start to the week wherever you are. The Clippers coming off a loss last night to the Denver Nuggets, 114 to 104. We're going to break that down throughout this podcast with Chris Merch. We've had him on once before. We'll have him on again. Talk about the panic level that we should be feeling and experiencing right now with the Clippers having looked pretty bad the last several ball games. Beating the Warriors 109-100 to in a game that I told Noah Eagle earlier in the week that I thought they should win by 15-20. to However, then we found out that Paul George injured himself in practice on Wednesday. And so because of that, no Paul George in the game against the Nuggets and no Paul George in that game against the Warriors. So expectations tempered a bit. The Clippers did end up getting that win against Golden State, which is good, and then lost at Denver, which is a tough game. It really is. Losing by 10 to a team that everyone thought could be number one in the West isn't the biggest deal in the world. It's just kind of how the way the Clippers have looked. And now there are decisions that the Clippers are going to have to make, the Clippers and Doc Rivers, whether A, which we've talked about all throughout the season, is Montrez Harrell worth it to extend and give all that money to in the offseason, or is it time to perhaps trade him for someone that maybe fits this team a little bit better, although... Trez is a pretty dang good fit with this team. It's just a matter of the Clippers struggling to play Zoo big minutes, which a lot of Clippers Twitter has been discussing. They want to see more Zoo, and because of Trez's big minutes, you don't see him on the floor. And then also, there's some discussion about Jermichael Green, and should Jermichael Green be starting? So we'll talk about Chris, about all this, we'll talk with Chris about all this stuff, because there are some things that continue to pop up that are worth discussing. And I know we are kind of beating a dead horse with this whole trade thing, but it is worth mentioning with the Clippers being a team that, by the way, still 27-13 and 13 and second in the Pacific Division. So not really a problem when you look at where the Clippers are compared to where the Raptors were when the Raptors won the title. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Don't forget, it is January. What matters is April, May, and June. Before we get to Chris... I got to tell you, this podcast, like all our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out their website, hawaiianisles.com, on Amazon by searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, or on Twitter, at High Kona Coffee. And you've heard me talk about mybookie.ag, right? You know, it's lots of gambling. You can bet on some games. This is a partner of ours, mybookie.ag, our online betting partner here at HoopBall. And an interesting little note that HoopBall now is debuting a new gaming Twitter handle. It's at Hoopball Gaming. The last two days, they've been giving out picks, and they did pretty dang well day one, 4-0, and I think they went 3-1 and on day number two. So they are off to a red-hot start. If you're not following them yet, at Hoopball Gaming, and you know what you can do with those picks? You can go ahead and sign up for an account on my bookie. 
Use the word Clippers. That is the word Clippers. My bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus up to $1,000. Head there now. Again, that's mybookie.ag. The promo code is the word Clippers. Sign up for a new account. Use that promo code Clippers. And you can bet on anything. I mean, you can bet on, obviously, the NBA. You can bet on the AFC and NFC Championship. Do you think the Chiefs are perhaps going to steamroll over the Titans? Is that going to happen? Do you think the Packers will end up going to the Super Bowl or will be the 49ers? You can bet on that, and then you can bet on some props when the Super Bowl happens. A lot you can get into. And also, I heard there is perhaps some card games as well on the site. So go ahead and just dabble in that. Put a couple of bucks in there, and then watch mybookie.ag. Just give you some more money on top of that. Okay? So just go do it. You'll enjoy yourself. Trust me. And then today is Monday, right? which means today is Bruise Letter Day. If you did not get a Bruise Letter today, that means you have not signed up. What are you waiting for? Aaron Bruski, our founder, writing an email newsletter for the entire season, does a tremendous job. He gives us three Kings things. Boy, that's a team that has its ups and downs. Rashawn Holmes now injured, which is going to probably hurt this Kings team. We'll see what their outlook is the rest of the season. And then Brew does a great job talking about all the other teams in the NBA as well. So you can sign up very quickly. It really takes 10 seconds. I'm not kidding. It takes 10 seconds. You can go ahead, go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Sign up. Again, the site is hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Aaron Bruski, straight to your inbox every single week. Enjoy. All right, without further ado, let's talk some Clippers basketball. Let's bring in Chris Merch. All right, like I just said, it's time to bring in Chris Merch. We need to talk some Clippers basketball because this has been a very strange couple of weeks in Clipperland, a team that... Everyone thought could go to the NBA title game and win it possibly. And are they going to beat the Lakers? And all of a sudden, a very strange couple of weeks. So Chris Merch comes on first. Before we get into the Clippers talk, Chris, how are you? I'm doing good. Um, I'm a little frustrated that Adam Sandler didn't get nominated for Uncut Gems this morning at the Oscars. But besides that, man, I'm, I'm solid. Okay, wait. Before we get into Clippers basketball, uh, Uncut Gems. And we're not going to go into spoilers because I'm sure there are people who have not seen it. It's funny because there are people that are on both sides. They thought it was terrible. My parents thought it was awful. And then there are people that <laughs> thought it was amazing. And I have friends, particular people my age, I'm 32, that thought it was great. And then I went there and I was kind of, I felt awkward at times. I felt uneasy. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the story went in very different ways and was unnecessarily trying to lead you on to things that maybe didn't happen. I don't know. Did you like? I thought Sandler did a great job, no doubt about it. I mean, Happy Gilmore is my favorite movie of all time, so it was very different seeing him uh, in this role. But did you love the movie? Absolutely loved it. Yeah, you know what's funny, man, is I'm actually I work on 38th between fifth and sixth, and the Diamond District is on 47th between mm-hmm. fifth and sixth. Um, so I am just as a New Yorker, kind of used to that, like day in day out chaos that that movie presents really well. You know, it's kind of the, the fast moving dialogue and all the yelling at each other and, you know, all the cursing and everything. So, you know, and, and then you incorporate Adam Sandler is one of my favorite comedic actors. And I think criminally underrated as a dramatic actor. And then you also add in KG who did well in the whole basketball arc of the story. And, you know, I've also been known to, you know, throw a little money around on some uh, parlays and whatnot myself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
Yeah, that, that movie really encompassed a lot of things that I enjoy watching. So I was a huge fan of it, as am I a fan of the Staffy Brothers as well with their last movie, Good Time, as well. So loved it. Yeah, I enjoy the gaming part of it, for sure. I, I thought I liked the gambling. I liked the last 20 or 30 minutes. I thought it was great. The music kind of was weird in the beginning of the movie. I kind of wanted it stop, wanted it to stop at one point. It just seemed like it was dragging <laughs> on for way too long. And I thought that the, uh, uh, the whole, KG, KG, KG. KG. I was about to be like, I'm about to punch Adam Sandler in the face. Like, dude, enough. Like, we get it. But he takes obnoxious Jew to a new point. And I can say that as a Jewish person, that he he really does. And it's it was so weird to me because I really wanted to like the movie, especially once my parents said that it didn't they didn't like it and they said I shouldn't go see it. I kind of wanted to reverse it around and say that I did like it. And I thought it was good. I thought it was okay, but not amazing like some people thought. I, you know what? Yeah, like I said, it, it had everything you know in film that I like, and uh, I saw it with my with my mother, and she uh, really liked it as well. She's very open minded when it comes to uh, you know kind of fresh takes on films, and that's definitely what the Safdie brothers do. So I was I was all in. I was right. with she. All right, fair enough, fair enough. There are other movies I thought that I that I, <laughs> that I saw that I thought were really good as well. We're not going to go into a whole movie discussion, but you brought up Uncut it's Gems. It's a basketball <laughs> movie. Exactly, it's a basketball movie. I fear we can talk about it. Um, quickly before we get into the Clippers talk, where are you actually writing now? Because I know there's been some transition now with, I believe it's Clips Nation, right? That there is the new law coming in that started January 1st about the amount of articles you can write in a year. And so I think that because of that, a lot of the freelancers were cut. What, what exactly happened there and what's going to happen? Yeah, so long story short, um, California passed uh, like a gig law, which means that you either have to essentially bring on people full time or they have to cap um, the number of uh, contributions that someone can make. And they made that number 35 a year. And as someone that writes, you know, two to three times a week for Clips Nation, that obviously wouldn't, wouldn't really work. So, um, you know, starting February 1st, uh, me, Robert, um, Lucas Han, and, uh, you know, kind of a few of the other writers for the site, uh, Michelle is data as well. Uh, we're going over to 213 Hoops, which is independent of any sort of bigger um, company. And we're, you know, working on a, a Patreon and, you know, doing the podcast and doing the, uh, the content as well. So I'll be uh, switching over to that starting February 1st, still writing with Clips Nation until then, just getting a few, you know, pieces up and whatnot and long form and, and game previews and recaps. And then I also have my own uh, site, which veers from, the Clippers and talks more about the general NBA. It's called this league. Uh, it's this league.net. And we kind of try to uh, like do more of the humorous side of things. So I call it like an NBA humor slash NBA comedy website. And, uh, you know, I recruited a team full of writers and we're, uh, yeah, we're just, you know, writing goofy articles. One of our writers, Jerry, um, this morning put up a piece about, it was a love letter to Devonte Graham, who is definitely worthy of a love letter at this point with his play. So, you know, that's kind of just a sample of the type of content that we're putting up. Awesome. All right, cool. And I'm sure people can go to the website um, with 213 Hoops and find out about the Patreon, the different levels and what they're going to get and uh, get more of that. So we'll, we'll talk about that more Absolutely. maybe at the end of the podcast as well when you can uh, say your goodbyes and what you want to uh, promote. But let's get into the Clippers. Sweet. Uh, um, yep. It's been weird. It, it's been really strange. It's It seems like this team can't stay healthy. Um, you think for a second that you're going to have everybody uh, Christmas, finally everyone was available, and then more injuries happen, and now it's the back-to-backs. You know Kawhi's going to sit, and then PG 
um, did not play in that game on Saturday last weekend, and then he played on Sunday against the Knicks. I was there for that game. And then all of a sudden you think, all right, he's cool. And then he re-injures himself during practice in the middle of the week, and we find out that he's not going to play in either game this weekend. So injuries mm-hmm. continue to mount, and the panic level continues to rise because the Clippers are not winning games in the fashion that you thought they would win, in the fashion that the Lakers are winning in a lot of these games, and they're losing games that you probably think they shouldn't be losing in. And it's worth noting, by the way, that the Clippers now, I think this is the correct number, have had 17 different starting lineups. Noah Eagle was talking about it when we had him on earlier on the week, that the Clippers just can't stay healthy, and because of that, they've had a lot of different lineups. So, 1 to 10, where is your panic level right now on this team? I am uh, at about a 3. So I'm, I'm pretty low on the spectrum. And the reason being is, A, before the season, not to like, this isn't even like toot my own horn, but I projected the Clippers to be the third best regular season Western Conference team, given what we know about Kawhi's load management, given what we know about a veteran team that with a ton of players that have been in the playoffs before and, you know, could maybe see themselves like coasting a little bit during the regular season, although that's not what we want. That's kind of what we're seeing right now. And also, you know, Paul George being out at the beginning of the season and him potentially load managing. And, you know, with his injury history, he's bound to get banged up like he is right now. Um, I think what Clippers fans are getting themselves into right now and why some people's panic meters might be a lot higher than mine is, you know, with the Lakers playing the way that they are, being in first place, being, you know, this dominant team that's five games ahead of any anybody else in the West, we're getting into a comparison thing with them. The only comparison that needs to be made is the two and record that we have against them currently and what will potentially happen down the line in the playoffs. So if you take that out of it and you also factor in the amount of injuries that the Clippers have gone through, it's still new personnel. They're still getting used to each other. The coaching staff is, you know, with, with Ty Lue being brought on, it's, it's still pretty new. There's, there's still a lot to be ironed out and a lot to work out. Yes, their play right now isn't, you know, fun to even watch most of the time with the amount of turnovers that are going on, the lack of shooting, you know, the kind of the lack of consistent rotations. But the Clippers are still winning games. They're still, you know, right in that glut of two to five in the Western Conference. Um, they're still top ten in both offensive and defensive rating. So there's a lot there to look at and be like, this isn't a complete game right now. But by the time everyone gets healthy and hopefully, you know, when Paul George gets healthy and they finally have their full team back, it it stays that way for a while, especially with the ease of the schedule that's coming up and that will maintain throughout the the rest of the year. Um, You know, hopefully that's that's the case and, and they can really start to gel get some chemistry going and, uh, and, and really regroup and, and kind of dominate towards the end of the season. That's kind of how I'm looking at it right now. And, and my projection is that they will really start to gel, get together more practice and, uh, and really eat uh, later on this year. Yeah, I tend to agree. And I think with Paul George, you have to take your time with him because you don't want him to come back and re-injure himself at this point. Just get him the rest that he needs, just like you're doing with Kawhi because Doc has come out and said, at the end of the year, it's very possible that Kawhi will play in a back-to-back. I still don't think that's actually going to happen, but the fact that that's on the (laughs) table means that his knee isn't as bad as maybe it was before and that it is improving, so that's a good sign. Uh, But I do think you have to 
take your time with these guys. And I tend to agree with you in the panic level meter. And it's interesting because you go on Twitter and Clippers Twitter is just going bonkers now during these games and saying how disappointing these games are, which I agree. And you start talking about should the Clippers extend Trez? Should they trade him? Is it time to put your Michael Green in the starting lineup? We're going to talk about all these, by the way, throughout the podcast. But it's just one of those things now where with the Clippers, it's January. Like, let's all chill for a second. We're not even at the all-star break. Like you said, the Clippers Mm -hmm. are where they want to be. And if they're not going to be the one seed, that's fine. If they're the two seed, guess what? They're still playing in the same exact arena in the Western Conference Finals. Like, it does not matter whether they are the one or the two. And even if they are the three, you beat the two seed, and then you still play the one in the Western Conference Finals. So you'll be okay if you are the Clippers. The one thing that I'm a little concerned about is the defense. And this is something that we thought wouldn't be a problem with Kawhi and PG and Harkless. I mean, you have and Pat Beverly. You have a lot of defenders on this team. But to go out and give up 140, I believe it was, against Memphis, and then give mm-hmm. up 132 against the Knicks, give up 100 to the Warriors, 114 to the Nuggets, you're giving up a lot of points. And I understand the pace of play has changed in the NBA. But this defense is something that the Clippers shouldn't be worrying about. You mentioned still top 10 in defensive defensive efficiency. But are you more worried right now about the offense or the defense? Because for me, it is the defense. For me, it's the defense as well. Um, while the shot making and the iso ball continues to cause lulls in the offense, I think that that's something that comes with a lot more practice and gelling and a full roster. I think the defense right now is is a lot of lack of effort. You can, you can make that argument, and you can also make the argument for um, Zubat's not getting the minutes he deserves based on his rim protection skills and how Trez is kind of bleeding points in the paint. But for me, the focus has to be on effort, and this kind of goes back to what I was uh, referencing earlier with, with coasting a little bit. I mean, this is a team full of aggressive defenders, long, you know, proven defenders that have been doing this for years, yet they can't seem to stop teams. And they, and especially they, it seems like the Clippers recently have been drought busters. You know, people like Gary Harris Jr. going off, Jay Crowder going off. You know, it's, it's, it's really annoying to, to hear, oh, this player went, you know, eight for 40 in his last three, four, three or four games from three, and now he's, you know, five or six. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very annoying. But I think that that is mostly an effort thing, and it's a taking nights off thing. I think that the Clippers have had this kind of curse for uh, it's been, you know, maybe only since last year, maybe the year before where they're playing, they played down to to some teams. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because of a mindset of we can out talent this team and then they will give momentum to the team that they're playing and have to either claw their way back, which they sometimes have done and, you know, and more times this season haven't. So right now it's really, it's really about effort and it's really about <clears throat> gelling on that end. And with the, you know, assistant coach that we have in Rex Kalamian, who's like, you know, supposed to be this defensive guru, it's, I don't think it's on him either. It really is just a focused effort. They have to get this done. They can't disregard the talent of NBA players. You know, I, I always say the, the Clippers seem to give up a lot of uh, wide open threes. And even if the player making it isn't a good three-point shooter, they're still an NBA player. So they're going to make open shots no matter where they are. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, once again, it's just an effort thing. 
And that's really been frustrating. And you mentioned, you know, how people are saying on social media certain things about what the Clippers should do. And I'm, you know, I'm like I said, my panic meter isn't high, but I'm also, you know, sometimes a reactionary Twitter user and uh, and poster. So I've been, you know, I've mentioned, you know, certain trades or, or certain things that are going on in the game that don't really happen you know, throughout a few games, but happen on a, on a game to game basis. But effort has been something that has been happening now way too often or the lack of it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really frustrating to watch. Yeah. If you watch the Clippers games, by the way, apart from Doc Rivers, Rex Kalamian is the only other guy that you see off the bench as much as Doc. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he is screaming at his defense, trying to get them in the right places. And when I was at that game against the Knicks, I noticed that PG was really slow in his rotations um, in that first quarter. And because of that, he was a step or two slow and was allowing open shots. And Marcus Morris went for 38 points. You talk about the slump busters. He was another one of those where he's been playing well, mm-hmm. but he's not a 38-point type guy. So when you look at this team – it, it, like you said, it really is. It's the effort on the defensive end and the offense. It, we've seen it several years in a row now. It doesn't matter what the team is. It doesn't matter who the point guard is, who's on the team. Iso ball happens, and you don't pass the ball, and it ends up in bad shots, and it ends up in slumps. And I think once the playoffs happen, you you made up a good, you made a good point. The Clippers are two and zero against the Lakers. They've beaten Milwaukee. They've beaten Toronto. They've beaten some of the top teams in the West. they do truly play down to their opponent at times. And it's very frustrating, but just know that when the time comes and they're playing against these good teams in the playoffs, they're going to rise to the occasion. Kawhi and PG are going to be there, hopefully barring health, and they're going to rise to the occasion. But we mentioned a couple of things for the Clippers and what people are talking about in Clippers Twitter. So I want to discuss them. And the first thing that you brought up was Trez and Zoo. And I think this is one, and you can see the fire engine. It clearly thinks that something needs to be discussed here with Trez and Zoo. <laughs> New York City for you, baby. Um, yeah. The one thing with Zoo, and I think LA Clippers film, uh, my buddy over there, Justin Wilson, discusses it the most. He really wants to see Zoo on the floor. Now, here's the mm-hmm. question for you How many minutes should Zoo be getting? And second of all, how many minutes should Trez be getting? And third of all, should Trez stay on this roster the entire season? Uh, okay, well, all right, to answer the first question, because I think I have to ruminate on, on Trez as I'm talking, but <laughs> Zoo's averaging 17 minutes a game. I think he should be ending 25. Um, the, the rim protection numbers are there to prove that defensively this team is much better with him on the floor. He's also improved his shot. I think he's five for eight in the mid range. I think he can he can still extend that even further. I'm not sure if that'll be necessary, but I think he has the tools to do it. He has a good looking stroke. He's solid from the free throw line. Um, his at the rim finishing numbers are good, as is you know general his general field goal percentage. His hands have gotten better. I think he played with a hurt hand all of last year. His chemistry in the pick and roll has been good. I mean, there's there's really nothing but positive that I've seen from Zoo. Maybe he fouls a tiny bit too much, but he's still, I don't think he's fouled out of the game. I mean, granted his minutes probably wouldn't let him, mm-hmm. but he, he keeps improving and he keeps proving that I think he deserves more minutes. So he's averaging 17 now. I think he should get 25 to go to your second question on Trez minutes that it's hard to answer because I really think it depends on a game to game basis games where he, there, there are games where he is struggling to get his shot off. Um, you know, even though he's quicker than 
then most centers, most centers are obviously bigger than him and so are most power forwards. So when he's struggling to get his consistent shot off at the rim, obviously he can still shoot the floaters, but when he's not able to get to the rim and he's also just hemorrhaging points in the paint like he was to even someone like Miles Plumlee last night, that's when you got to scale the minutes back. I thought last night would have been, I tweeted this out too, I thought last night would have been a good time to maybe experiment with the Zoo Trez lineup that we've seen very, very briefly. Because when you have players like, like Jokic and Plumlee playing at the same time, um, or even like a Tory Craig who's tall and athletic and, and got some offensive rebounds last night, having both of them to, you know, just make, make the paint, try to make the paint a no man's land for, for these teams would have, would have benefited. Um, so, I mean, back to the, the Trez minutes, if he's scoring and if he's not fouling on the defensive end and, and you know, putting forth the effort, fine. Give him, you know, give him the 30 minutes that, that he's averaging. I would probably say he needs to be averaging somewhere around 27 minutes, 28. I know it's not a huge change, but I think that just a few more minutes for Zoo could, could really make a difference. And I think that Doc, for some reason, has a short leash with Zoo, maybe because he's young. We, I mean, we know Doc isn't very good with his young players, given his uh, experience, you know, experience with, with rookies of past on the Clippers. But I, I, I couldn't tell you, and I hope it changes. But, yeah, he definitely needs more minutes. And then <sighs> Trez, on the, I, I, think, I, I definitely think he should finish out the year on the, on the team. Um, when it comes to paying him this summer – that is a very, very difficult question because you, he's going to demand $100 million, no doubt, yeah. you know, $100 million plus. His agent is Rich Paul. Uh, you know, he's going to be scrupulous in, in his <laughs> demands and, and his negotiations. And there's going to be teams that will pay him that because he's, cause of what he's doing to teams on a, on a regular basis and what he's able to do. So, but you have to think, Trez, you know, at his best is still uh, the seventh man on on this team. And while he doesn't put up seventh man numbers, he's averaging, let's see, 19, 19 19.3 and 7.4 rebounds on, you know, really good efficiency at the rim. It's, it's still just the the defensive holes that, that are present with the Clippers when he is in the game. And it's not his fault. He's only six, seven, six, eight. He, he gives effort and he tries and he has a long wingspan, but th- that is something that could really come back to bite this team in the playoffs, especially when you play, you know, potentially against a team that has Anthony Davis or Rudy Gobert or Jokic, like we saw last night. So that's tough. I still, I think that he will be on the roster the whole year. Um, but this is also a team that traded Blake Griffin and Tobias Harris in back to back years, their best player on the team at the time. So, who knows what they're thinking. I think he should stay, but that decision could come back to bite them if he does stay in the playoffs. Yeah, that's the one thing, is that if he does stay, then you feel forced to play him, and it does end up not allowing Zoo to be on the floor, because it really does seem like there's not going to be many minutes where Zoo and Trez play together, uh, despite the fact that they probably can play together. And then also yeah. the fact, like you said, that I mean, if you think that Trez is going to play, let's say, 32-33, then probably you're going to see 15 minutes or so for Zoo, 15, 16 minutes, which is for the defensive numbers. I mean, the numbers prove the Clippers are better rebounding-wise and defensively when he's on the floor. And you bring up a good point with the Clippers and how they have shown that they will go ahead and trade a guy like Blake Griffin. I think this is a little bit different because this team seems to really like Trez, 
and it seems like mm-hmm. he is a part of this team that they need at the moment in terms of the scoring and the bench production. That's one of the reasons why they've been so successful over the years is because of Lou and Trez off the bench. And if you go ahead and trade Trez, then not only are you trading a guy that is giving you as much production as he is, like you mentioned, 17 or so points per game, you're also then going to go through another window where you're incorporating somebody new. And the question is, Mm -hmm. is that the right thing to be doing in February, bringing in a guy who, let's say, I don't even know who it's going to be, whether it's going to be, I'm just bringing up names. It's not actually going to happen, but Drew Holiday or someone like Andre Drummond, it's just these, t- or Robert mm-hmm. Covington, Mar- Marcus Morris, yeah, Darren Collison in there, yeah, yeah. exactly, and, and yeah, I think Roko would be a good option for the Clippers. He does a nice job with three and yeah. D, and I, I just uh, don't know that trading Trez makes sense because then you have to incorporate them, and then do you get into the playoffs? And maybe this team doesn't quite have the chemistry it should because that's one thing, Chris, with this team that's very obvious from the team from last year is that the chemistry does not seem to be the same. I get they have a lot of new pieces they're trying to incorporate, but this is not the same grit and grind, fight back type of team that we saw last year. And so the identity is one thing that you worry about if they were to go ahead and trade Trez. Would you agree with that? Yes, I think that disrupting this chemistry would be dire because of how bad it already is. I guess bad is probably not the right word of how inconsistent the chemistry already is. Um, once again, they haven't had the time to gel with the full roster. So trading someone like Trez, who brings intensity every night and seems to be one of the only few players that does it every single night um, and, you know, has been up with the, with the backbone of this franchise along with Lou and, and Pat Bev over these last few years, that can definitely disrupt chemistry. Um, but you can also make the argument that if you can get a trade for someone that brings a more, you know, consistent defensive level and, you know, can also bring in some of the shot making abilities that he has, that it could be beneficial. But the problem with that is there's like three butts in this, you know, long winded paragraph I'm going with who, who is that player? You know, Marcus Morris isn't that great defensively. Robert Covington tends to be inconsistent shooting wise. You know, so it's it would take a huge trade, and any trade involving Trez would be big given his stature within the league currently because everyone loves him because everyone loves the undersized guy who's, um, you know, kind of overplaying or outplaying what people thought, you know, they, they were going to get from him. Um, so it's it's tough. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's really a, a question of who and, and, and when and if – they can help the Clippers ultimately win where Trez couldn't. And, you know, while Trez this year, I think it's about split on games he has helped versus games he hasn't. Because some games he's, you know, better defensively and obviously he'll get 30 for you and, you know, help us win like he did against the Knicks. Um, it's, it's just it's such a difficult question that, my non-GM brain, you know, can't wrap around currently. So I, I guess my final answer to the whole should Trez be moved before the season is, is no. Um, but that no, like I mentioned, could come back to, uh, to bite them. Yeah, and don't forget that if you do trade him, you're to bring back a backup big because the Clippers don't have one mm-hmm. behind Zoo. I mean, yeah. you're not going to play Jermichael Green at the five 
in your bench unit. I just don't think that makes a lot of sense, and you need more size, no. especially when you're playing against guys like Miles Plumley and Jokic and AD and McGee and Howard. I mean, you need bigs because the teams that you're going to be mm-hmm. playing against in the playoffs have big guys, and that's the one worry with Trez is can they bang down low or can he bang down low with those guys, and that's the one worry, but he brings you so much offensively, and don't forget that everyone's worried well. If you keep him, then you lose him for nothing in free agency. Not necessarily true. Right. Let's not forget that the Clippers did end up getting Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, Pat Beverly in a deal for Chris Paul when they re-signed mm-hmm. Chris Paul in a sign-and-trade. So that is very much an option on the table. They did do a sign-and-trade, right, with Chris Paul? That's exactly what happened. I'm not crazy. They did, but that was Chris Paul being very nice yeah. because he had been with the franchise. He didn't have to do that. He could have just been like, nah. Right. I, I don't, yeah, I, I, I genuinely think he was just like, you guys have done a lot for me. Sure, I'll sign and, and we can facilitate a trade. Um, you know, I think that's, that was the case, but I'm not sure if Trez would be, uh, would be that nice. Yeah, you never know. I mean, the, the, Trez is who he is yeah. now because of the production that he's gotten with the Clippers and the, and the minutes that he's getting. So you never know. All right. So we discussed mm-hmm. Trez, we discussed Zoo. One final lineup note, Jermichael Green. There's a lot of talk now all of a sudden, and it's popped up most recently in the last week or so. And everyone was stunned opening night when Jermichael Green wasn't starting. And it was Tupat that was starting with all those other guys. And you wondered what was happening because it really seemed like all along during the preseason and during the offseason that Jermichael Green was going to start. He was the one that starred in the playoffs against Golden State. He was the one that the Clippers fans were thrilled about when he decided to come back and re-sign. The Clippers thought they could not lose him. Clippers fans did not want to lose him. And now all of a sudden, there are cries from Clippers Nation to have him start. Is that something you think the Clippers should be doing? Because I think it's very possible once you get everybody healthy, you have the ability to put Jermichael Green on the floor with a healthy Pat Beverly PG, Kawhi, all three of those are great defensively, and you get the shooting of Jamichael Green, who's going to give you more than Mo Harkless will, and let's not forget that Harkless has been a guy that, frankly, has sat a lot during the playoffs because of what he brings, which is not a ton on the offensive end. Right. Um, so, to answer your question, no. I actually don't think Jamichael Green should start, but I think he should close. So, similarly to Trez, Lou. And, and, you know, with them not starting, obviously, but them, you know, typically being in the closing lineup, I think that people are a little bit overreacting to Mo Harkless's lack of offense. Yes, it's been egregious probably over the last, like, month. But when he is aggressive in getting to the rack, he, he helps. And, and Yovan Bua from The Athletic, shout out my boy, he, he always mentions that Mo Harkless's offense is, is just gravy you know, on top, we, they don't need him to score. They need him to be that defensive presence. And I, I, I don't have the, the stat in front of me, but the starting lineup, you know, net rating and, and defensive rating, it, it has to be good because our defensive rating is, I believe, seventh in the league with, you know, with Harkless in our starting lineup. So what he presents, especially when, you know, we have our full starting lineup of, with Paul George in there, what Mo is able to bring to the table defensively is, is awesome. And then when he is making the right cuts, making the right reads, and attacking the rim, he is – it's fine. So, but, but then, you know, obviously you, you don't want that closing because when you take away a little bit of, of that offense, and he has seemed to be very hesitant late in games, Mo, when it comes to offense. But then you bring in Jamichael Green, who is 
great on the boards, eh? especially offensive rebounds. You know, as aggressive, as tough, physical, strong, and then can also bring you 38% a night from, from the three-point range. That's, that's awesome. And that's kind of what you need in that closing lineup. Um, so for now, I think the starting lineup is okay, obviously, once Paul George gets back. And then also, you, when you think about putting Mo in the second unit, especially with how Landry has been kind of an offensive non-factor at this point, you're basically putting Lou and Trez on an island um, as far as offense is concerned and saying, okay, you guys are essentially the only people that can go get a bucket for us with the second unit. Uh, and while they both you know, scored nearly 20 points a game, that's putting a lot on someone who is A33, has been pretty turnover prone this year, and then an undersized center in Trez. So I, I'm pro keeping Mo in the starting lineup and, and having to Michael uh, close games. Yeah, one of the issues with the Lakers is that I really don't think they have somebody outside of Anthony Davis and LeBron you can trust. Kuzma's been good recently. I think it's very possible they end up trading Kuzma and they trading re- him. They're gonna they're gonna trade the hell out of him. I mean, they're they're yeah. so happy he's doing well right now. Exactly. I mean, all of a sudden he's yeah. popping up and becoming a guy that's gonna fool front offices around the league. That he he really just brings offense to your team, and so I think it's very possible mm-hmm. that they end up dealing him and bringing somebody else to help out AD and LeBron. But that's been my biggest thing with them is that. I think they're beatable in the playoffs because they only have those two guys. And with the Clippers, you have Kawhi, you have PG, you have Lou, you have Trez, you have four guys. But I still do think you need that fifth guy. And it'll be interesting to see. Doc has talked about that sliding starting lineup. And the closing lineup is going to probably be different than the starting lineup. The Clippers need to have somebody step up. Somebody needs to be that fifth guy, whether it's Jermichael Green, whether it's Landry Shamit, whether it's Mo Harkless. It doesn't need to be the same guy every game. But I would like mm-hmm. to see Landry become that guy at some point because he was huge in that series against the Warriors. He's got the potential. When you show in the playoffs mm. that you can be that good defensively against a guy like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and then hit some big shots, it's there for you. It's just a matter of getting used to these roles. So I think we still need to give this team time, and this wraps back to the beginning of our conversation, that we can't quite panic yet. Because there are so no. many moving pieces for this team, so many different guys that Doc needs to get playing time for, and I think we just need to be patient and let the next couple of months play out and let these guys get used to their roles. Yeah, I agree. And uh, another stat that people forget about when it, when it comes to the struggles of you know this season so far, if you can even call them struggles, is the amount of games that the Clippers have played already. They were the quickest team i believe to 38 games Mm -hmm. and now that their schedule is a lightening up on opponents and opponent and and our strength of schedule uh you know goes way down from where it was i I believe we were fourth by espn metrics and for the rest of the season we're like 28th or 29th as far as strength but you also got to factor in all the back-to-backs we've had all the traveling back-to-backs uh the clippers have had and you know just the amount of games that they've played and now that that's going to you know, lesson, they're going to get more practice time. They're going to be able to rest a little bit more and going to be able to get healthier. So, yeah, I don't think the panic button should be pressed yet. I don't think it should even be close. They're, they're fine, Clipper Nation. I, I think we, we should all take a step back, reflect on, you know, yes, they're, they're, they do have flaws, um, but those flaws, I'm, I'm positive, will be ironed out by a veteran coaching staff a veteran-led team with a two-time finals MVP at the helm. And, you know, a, a team that, while the chemistry isn't quite there, has, you know, I, I think bought in 
to what the franchise is, is trying to do. Yeah, in Doc, Kawhi, and PG, I trust. Now, before we let you go, January 7th was a big day for you, and uh, everyone's wondering, <laughs> why was it a big day? Ralph Lawler, of all people, at Omi oh my, retweeted or posted your article about a sex joke that he made on New Year's. Go ahead and give us that story because yeah. everyone needs well, to hear um, this. Who, have, who haven't actually read your article yet on thisleague.net, f- tell us what happened. Yeah, so I was on Twitter um, after New Year's, like before I was uh, about to go to sleep, um, around like 1.30, and I saw that Ralph had just posted a tweet. And I believe that the tweet said something like, um, you know, having a, a ton of sex is like good for your memory. Happy 2016, everyone. Obviously, it being 2020 now, that was like, you know, the kind of the, the funny meme joke. And my jaw literally dropped like worldwide law, but even, you know, tweeted at him, um, you know, something about like a Waller law rule or something. It was, it was just very, very funny. And then a few days later, uh, I wrote about it. And, I, you know, kind of in, in a satirical way, mentioning that, you know, Ralph is, uh, you know, just like a, a meme god and, and, you know, how, how funny that he, you know, Ralph has, has been consistently pretty funny on, on broadcast for the 40 years that he was the, the Clippers broadcaster. So I just kind of encompassed everything and wrote about it. And then uh, a day after, yeah, he, he, he essentially posted it. He kind of like messed up on um, like how he tweeted it a little bit. So it looked a little funky. I think it was like the link and then uh, a comment, but it was, it was posted oddly. But yeah, anyway, he was like, yeah, finally someone who like gets it in quotes, um, which was you know definitely a highlight of my writing career so far and definitely a good plug for uh, the new website, thisleague.net. So uh, I was, I was very happy that definitely made, made my week and month for sure. And uh, you know, hopefully me and uh, me and Ralph are, we're, we're best buds now because of it. Yeah, your social media best buds. It all starts there. Yeah. Because right? it's funny because Ralph has really been a prominent Twitter presence ever since he left the Clippers. He has still been watching a bunch of games. I talked to Noah about this because he got a chance to talk to him at the uh, awards mm-hmm. in SoCal. And it was brief, but he really has been watching not only the Clippers games, but all the NBA. This is a guy that clearly is missing his job. But he's tweeting at fans. He's clearly reading his replies because he's replying to people. And it's funny mm-hmm. because then he goes and I saw that same thing on New Year's. I was like, what the hell? I was like, he, he's posting about yeah. sex and memory. What is going on here? But it's funny that you were able to pick up on that and write an article about it. So thisleague.net is where people can go ahead and read that article about Ralph Lawler and uh, the sex joke. Where else can people read you and where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, so it's funny. The last time I was on here, my username was my music mm-hmm. uh, kind of at on Twitter. It was at Nigel Roxbury. I've since moved that to, you know, it's still the same username at Nigel Roxbury, but it's on a different, um, you know, kind of Twitter base. Uh, now uh, on my main one, I'm underscore Chris Mertz, um, which is where, you know, I, I talk hoops mostly and uh, just other musings that I see. But uh, yeah, you can still read me over at clipsnation.com. It's soon to be 213hoops.com um, starting February 1st, which we're all you know, really excited about. And then uh, thisleague.net as well is where you can find some laughs on some, uh, you know, on, on NBA talk, just like the, uh, the Ralph Lauer piece that was mentioned. Well, Chris, you, uh, you've been battling some sickness. That's why we weren't able to record last night, but you rallied and you performed at an A-plus level for this conversation today. So we appreciate you coming on and looking forward to having you on throughout the season. Hey, thanks so much, Brandon. I really appreciate it.
Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chris. A good breakdown of everything that is going on in Clippers Twitter and what everyone is panicking about, whether it's Trez, it's Zoo, it's Jermichael Green. We go into everything in that conversation. So I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, apologies. I know I said I was going to get that out on Sunday night, but Chris unfortunately was dealing with some illness, so we had to delay it for a couple of hours, and so we were able to record it here on Monday morning. Hoping to get a guest midweek. Uh, for the Clippers, what's coming up on the schedule? It's a great question. Next up is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And this is another one of those games, like I mentioned with the Warriors, that you need to win. You're at home on Tuesday against Cleveland, at home against Orlando on Thursday, another game you should win, and then at New Orleans on Saturday, another game you should win. So three winnable games in a row before taking on Luka next week on Tuesday in Dallas. So Cleveland, Orlando, New Orleans, Hopefully, we're able to get a podcast to you midweek. I'd love to get one on Wednesday. Um, worst case scenario, we'll get you one on Sunday. But like I said, again, we're going to try to get back to that two-a-week routine. You can follow me on Twitter, at Marcus is the Twitter handle. At Clips is where you can find the Hoopball Clippers Twitter account. And for somebody you want to have on this podcast, go ahead, tweet at me, at Marcus. Let me know who in the Clippers universe you would like to have on to talk Clippers basketball. So until next time, I'm Brandon Marcus saying so long. We'll talk to you next time and go Clips. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.